Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitniks, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast. This week is episode number 34. We are calling this one, Has the Avalanche of Verbals Started? Chris, there's a lot going on in OU's recruiting world, but before we get to that, I just want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Coming soon to video. Uh, also coming soon to video, Reggie Pearson Jr. show. I was up there today with Reggie getting everything set up uh, and ready to go for that. So he will be recording his first episode here shortly. So look out for that as well. All right, Chris, um, got two commits this week. It was a big weekend. What, what all's going on? Well, we finally get to talk to talk about some commits. It's been a while uh, since we've been able to talk about a 24th commitment. So. OU had a huge recruiting weekend, about 25 players in town, maybe 23, 25, and uh, received two commitments. The first one was actually someone who technically visited right after the weekend. Their official visit was like Sunday and Monday, I believe. And that is wide receiver from Texas, Dozy Izukanma. He's 6'2", 6'3", about 180 pounds, maybe 185. Um, looks We'll let Caleb go into an in-depth kind of review of him coming up in our next segment. But the key connection here is Emmett Jones coached his brother, Eric. Uh, and Eric is the, was a fourth-round draft pick of the Dolphins. He's currently in Dolphins camp. Um, Emmett Jones keeps uh, posting Twitter reels of him. And, and, and Eric was a big-time receiver. I mean, he was a first-team Big 12, old Big 12 wide receiver. So uh, he was 6'2", nearly 210. So I think OU's going to put some weight on Dozy and the genes and the, and the film uh, supports, very much support this offer. But we'll let, we'll let Caleb go a little bit in depth on that. And then the first weekend visitor, we've had two big weekends, and we finally have a weekend visitor verbal, was James Nesta, the linebacker and pitcher from North Carolina that we've been talking about, about 6'4", 210. He might be as tall as 6'5". Uh, definitely Skip Johnson and the OU baseball staff played a big role in his commitment. Uh, he posted uh, social media uh, photos of him both in an OU uh, gray alternate football gear plus uh, in, in baseball gear. So OU was able to effectively make that pitch, and he verbaled over um, UNC and Miami. 
And after uh, after getting that verbal commitment, OU canceled the official visit of uh, Ty Anthony Smith, who was a will linebacker from Texas that OU had been kind of hot and cold on a little bit, who looks like he's now probably going to go to uh, join uh, Lincoln Riley out in the West Coast and go to USC. So that's the two commitments that are public. Um, Nesta in a Twitter post says he believes OU has, you know, five or six silent commitments. We've been making predictions on players we believe are going to fall. Uh, I, it wouldn't shock me if by the end of end of June, maybe we didn't have three or four more commitments out of the, out of the players that have taken official visits and unofficial visits uh, in the month of June. So things are starting to heat up a little bit. Well, Chris, you've mentioned those predictions. Uh, you can see those on uh, our Twitter page, on Chris's Twitter page, uh, also on our board. Chris, you know, obviously there's some other positives coming out of the weekend. Is there a little momentum brewing in some of these defensive positions? Yeah, I think first off, you know, the the position that sort of leads the room, leads recruiting is the sort of the interior defensive line, big defensive end kind of positions. And OU had a fantastic weekend, according to all reports that we have about how that went. Um, David Stone is obviously still kind of deciding where and when he wants to make his announcement and shut down his recruiting, but all signs point to OU being firmly in the lead there with, with David Stone. He was on campus for four days, basically came back on Monday to spend some time with another visitor. I'll get to him in just a moment. So David Stone, great weekend for OU, really solidified their lead. And the question really just becomes now, uh, how many official, you know, what, what's David, what does David want to do from a schedule standpoint? Because I know that he wants to make his announcement kind of a big deal. He's been recruited for three years. So I think OU simply in a holding pattern on that. Uh, then the next piece of news that I think kind of surprised everybody is that OU's chances with Dominic McKinley, I think, have gone up significantly since his official visit. And Dominic is the other big defensive tackle, 6'5", 6'6", 290. They looked, looked like a million dollars uh, in an OU gray jersey. Uh, could easily, I think, probably be 300 plus without even blinking. So that, you know, we've been talking about Dominic here and mentioning that you just don't steal LSU, you know, top D line from Louisiana. We, we may have to eat those words with the, the positive feedback we're getting from, from this weekend with, uh, uh, with Dominic McKinley. And then Nigel Smith, who hadn't been on campus for a while, came back and appeared to have a great visit really in sync with the OU staff. Uh, Nigel's a great 6'5", 265 kind of defensive end, defensive tackle, could easily keep his speed and play at like 275, 280, play big end and then move inside um, to provide you with an interior pass rush on, on a third and long kind of pattern. Um, third and long, sorry, um, third and long plays. So he had another really good visit. And then OU hosted um, David Stone's IMG teammate, Jaden Jackson, uh, who's a 6'2", 300, would be a classic nose guard, probably could play at like 6'2", 6'3", 3'10". Uh, great burst off the line, 
Uh, he has Twitter videos of him kind of doing, you know, kind of doing uh, backflips, running backflips. And he had, and David was with him for his, uh, for his official visit. So when you can get four big defensive linemen on campus and make, you know, and make, and make serious headway with those guys, you, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you, you've got to say that's a, OU's off to a, oh, you accomplished what they needed to on the D on the interior defensive line or guys that we think, you know, will be kind of flex defensive linemen. All right. And then we had some other news for some recruits that weren't on campus uh, this past weekend. Zion Reagan's visitor from the weekend prior uh, did his official visit to Georgia this past weekend uh, while all this was going down in Norman uh, that we had that flurry of uh, prediction activity out of some of our competitors last week on Reagan's. We had heard that this Georgia visit was probably happening, made us a little nervous. Chris, are you a little less nervous now that he didn't commit to Georgia that weekend? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's telling that he, he hasn't committed. He hasn't talked about taking any more visits. So I wonder if we're looking at maybe Reagan's will kind of shut things down and then, uh, you know, announce a commitment date coming up maybe in early July. So, yeah, I think that looks good for OU right now. Um, in addition, uh, another piece of good SEC visit news, Williams Winery, the top defenseman in the country and number three player in the nation, uh, based on all of the reports out there, uh, from the various networks, 247 on three and, and, uh, and rivals seem to have just an okay visit to Tennessee. Gabe and, Gabe and Teddy on their podcast today were calling it a meh visit, kind of a meh visit. Um, and it seems like Tennessee did not do anything to dent OU's lead coming out of, um, uh, coming out of the, his visit on the weekend of the ninth. So it looks like Tennessee is maybe slipping there. Which is which is good news, but as always, with 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 the light must come the dark. So we'll, we'll get to that in just uh, in the in the in our next conversation. But I just wanted to uh, also mention um, Matt that the edge players OU had three had several edge players on campus, and um, Uma um, and the the name that seems to be getting a lot of press for OU right now is Wyatt Gilmore, the defensive end from Minnesota. He looked like he had a uh, had a very good weekend. So there's some momentum there. Um, the it's, it's weird. We, I, I can't quite understand what's going on with Jay Sean Ross's recruiting. We've been mentioning him quite a bit and he seems to have news on him seems to have disappeared. So I, I, it's a strange situation and maybe he's just shutting things down and getting ready to make an announcement, but it, it seems, it seems odd what's going on with um, Jay Sean Ross. None of, we didn't have any information on him from the weekend. We had information from him when he camped, but we didn't get any data back about his uh, on the weekend and, and no other sites have really any updates from him. So it's, it's a little strange. Uh, and then the, the last bit of good news is Davon Mitchell did go through, uh, did go through with his uh, unofficial uh, visit. It was more like an official visit. He was there for like three, four days showing up on Thursday for camp and then being around to play every, all the players, uh, you know, as much as he could participate in the visit, uh, he was around everybody. And um, so Davin is cruising, I think, towards an Oklahoma commitment on July 8th. 
provided nothing changes. And I, I think we're going to get reclassification news from him following following that following that uh, that commitment. So, you know, with that many players and that many guys on campus, uh, just lots of lots of positives coming out. And I think the D line, you know, if you if you held a gun to my head right now, I would say OU would get. David Stone, Dominic McKinley, Nigel Smith, and Williams Winery. Well, that would obviously be a fantastic haul in year two, really, of uh, Brent's recruiting. Uh, if you if you don't really count that first year when he only had about three weeks to scramble a class together. Um, I didn't have Todd Bates on staff during that entire time. I didn't have Todd Bates, who's obviously making his impression on this class uh, it's a it's a perfect, you know, defensive line class to move over to the SEC. Give those guys a year or two, and and I think we'll be set there. But obviously, with a lot of kids on campus, not all news can be positive. Chris, is there is there any negative news that came out of the weekend? Well, the first real piece of negative news is that Joseph Jonah Ayanje did take his OU official visit. But it doesn't really look like OU is able to able to make any dent in the momentum that UGA is building. In fact, he's going to UGA this weekend for his official UGA visit. And something would have to go, I think, drastically wrong for him not to quickly be announcing in a decision date with every sign in the world indicating that he's going to uh, he's going to be a UGA bulldog. So. Um, I know Caleb, that's a, that's a blow for us because we, we really love JJ on film, but I, I just don't see any other way that this recruiting story is going to go out. Yeah, no, I, uh, one of my favorite guys in the class, uh, and we talked about it a lot. Uh, you know, I think there's also that he and Nigel Smith are very similar players in terms of the flexibility they give you to play, you know, have that base strong side defensive end play a three technique. Uh, and probably I would think given just the size of both the kids uh, and where they'll probably land, uh, you know, um, as they just mature, probably more of a three technique, uh, but, you know, maybe play, play, uh, everyone plays odd fronts. And so when you go to the, you know, a three down, Hey, that they'll play end no problem. So, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining, it is, I think, Hey, Oklahoma still looks good and really good right there, uh, with Nigel Smith, but you know, Hey, if, if you can win one of one of two, you're 50% out of that. That's, uh, that's huge for, I think where, you know, Oklahoma's defensive line needs to get from a numbers standpoint going into 24 because of how loaded and front heavy uh, in terms of veterans, the defense defensive line is particularly that defensive tackle room uh, and then just talent, you know, that's you, uh, you know, with the SEC schedule coming out, I think everybody saw it's, it's somewhat daunting depending on how would the lens by which you view a lot of those programs. If you look at Auburn and think Cam Newton, you're scared. If you look at Florida and you think urban Meyer, you're worried, right? If you look at Tennessee and you think Phil Fulmer, you're, you're worried. Or if you think what Heibel's done is going to continue, maybe you're concerned a little bit, uh, you know, but it's, it, it really, you know, 
it's interesting when you o- look OU at, has more talent than those guys. They I mean, do, and, and Buller is going and from a from a from a you know blue chip ratio or the talent thing that two four seven does, which is probably about as best the best sort of measurement you can have of talent. Really, yeah. Um, Where I was going there is I think what's I think is interesting is when you look at I've heard people say this with the Big Ten schedule coming out that hey the SEC's better it's deeper right but when you actually pull the head-to-head for teams like iowa and wisconsin and penn state when they play the sec and have because they always play them in a couple of bowl games and they are really successful and the reason they're successful the reason iowa will consistently go beat lsu and you know uh south carolina and all these school those those sec schools in bowl games is because it's a line of scrimmage game and when it comes to their ability to play football at the line of scrimmage, they're as good as anybody, usually, right? It's kind of everything else at the skill level, but they can they can hang with you in line of scrimmage. So I think Oklahoma just continually, you know, getting a, uh, you know, a, a just a, a conveyor belt of top-end defensive linemen is is uh, priority number one. And and what a jump from really the last the last staff for sure, and really even the last ten years. JJA, you think you got him in the bag? All of a sudden, the momentum shifts. He goes to a place like Georgia, slot in Nigel Smith, a top one hundred guy. I mean, what more could you ask for? I think this staff is is absolutely relentless, and it's starting to pay dividends. What really kind of highlighted. Uh, Something that that Chris said a second ago when he talked about, hey, I think right now Oklahoma would probably land, and he and he went through that list, and on that list, David Stone and Williams Nawari were, were listed, and I think it was on three today, uh, or maybe twenty four seven. They just had a you know thing on on social media or on three saying, hey, here's where the top ten players in the country are trending, and it did right. It had Williams Nawari and, and David Stone, both top ten players in the country, trending to Oklahoma. Has there ever been a time, I don't think there has in the recruiting era, where you would look at the two top defensive linemen in the nation going to Oklahoma, the top defensive end or the top defensive tackle? So uh, that's that's how you win in the SEC. So it's just, uh, it's all about finishing. Yeah, so those, I think, you know, the, the J.J. thing is, is it's, a, it's a blow, but, you know, it's, it's recoverable. It's recoverable. Um, and the progress OU made with McKinley is, you know, can kind of negate that a little bit. If they can somehow pull off that, that Rudy like miracle, um, you know, the miracle, you know, recruiting miracle like that, uh, making all of us eat our words about how you can't sign Louisiana top D line that LSU want, um, you know, that, that would be huge. So speaking of the SEC and, and, and Mr. Heupel, um, Matt, uh, not a, really a surprise here, but Max Anderson, the the big offensive lineman from Frisco, Reedy, the younger brother of Nate Anderson, he went ahead and chose Tennessee. I was actually a little surprised he showed up for his official visit. So I don't know if that was sort of a a nod to the staff and to just and to add their respect for Bill, or 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 more cynically, maybe they just wanted a free a, a free weekend to visit Nate. <laughs> And, uh, you know, maybe they wanted a free weekend to visit Nate up in Norman. I, I, I don't know, but I was a little surprised he showed up and not surprised he, he selected Tennessee. A little bit of a, more of a shock, Jason Zandamella, the center from Florida. 
uh, has committed to USC. Um, you know, I think USC and FSU and OU had kind of been moving back and forth as sort of favorites there. But he went, he's gone ahead and chosen the Trojans. Um, he, he's talking about winning national championships with Lincoln Riley at, at, at USC. And I'm not sure um, Jason's aware that Caleb Williams is, is out of, is, will, will be leaving, uh, will, will be leaving um, uh, USC, uh, and, you know, starting, you know, about January 1st. So, um, you know, but every, everyone's winning national championships during recruiting. So, you know, it's, not, it's just, just struck me as a little funny. I'm like, okay, Jason, I'm not sure you realize that, you know, Caleb Williams, is, it's not like a franchise quarterback. It's not like the oh, NFL. he will be a franchise quarterback. So, well, he will be just not, 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 you know, he doesn't get to stay at USC permanently. Yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln's um, not a franchise coach either, huh? Uh, well, he might, he, you know, he might be for the Chargers if they, if he can convince, uh, convince them to, to pound pony some money, but we'll, I'm having some fun there a little bit. Huh? Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if, Oh, you didn't keep working Zendamella a little bit and keep working him this fall and, and keep working. Now that's a situation where that's probably too good a fit in terms of what, Oh, you would like to have and, and, you know, and Bill's ability to develop offensive centers. So it wouldn't shock me if, if OU didn't, if that wasn't something, if that's not a, as you know, people always ask me, well, do, do, do you just like move on from these kids? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Sometimes. Yes. Wouldn't shock me if, if OU wasn't like, just keep, 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 keep talking to Zendamel a little bit here. I don't know that. I don't know. They got to flip him, but you know, I just wouldn't surprise me if, if that was one name that kind of floated back this fall, maybe. And then, you know, we mentioned the good news that Williams Winery had a meh visit to Tennessee. And, and of course, we got then hit with the sucker punch a little bit of Williams Winery going back to Georgia potentially this weekend for an unofficial visit. Now, there's several stories on this and they're on the pay sites and we're not going to repeat that. So we'll just need to see if he does visit um, a UGA again unofficially. Um, they, they look like right now that they're trying to mount a run on him, which is kind of odd because Caleb, you know, Georgia already has two, has two defensive end kind of D line commits. As we said, they're about to get JJA and they've got like three other guys that they're trending for on the D line. So um, don't you think it's a little strange that kind of going all in on, on one area this late date. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's odd in a number of ways, if I'm being candid with you, I, because, and I put this on the board because uh, we had gotten word, I think, was it Saturday from some folks at Oklahoma, close sources, close to Oklahoma that said, you know, just kind of here's how the weekend was going. And, and one of those nuggets was uh, it looks great for Noary, but uh, Georgia's getting involved. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how they stem that. And my first thought was that, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit late. They've, I think they've been on for a little bit, but to me, it's just a really bad scheme fit. You know, and that's what I said on the board. I said, you know, if this was Ohio State, if it was, hey, you know, Ohio State's hard yeah, after him, yeah, I'd yeah. say like that makes a ton of sense. If I'm his dad or if I'm his brother, his older brother or anybody close to him, I would say, hey, you should probably look at this because, you know, the two Bosa brothers, Chase Young, uh, I forget the, the kid that's, you know, been playing starting defensive end for the for the Bengals now, uh, big white kid, white guy, uh, uh, you know, but they just had a really good run of developing under, uh, well, what is it, Larry Johnson Sr.? Yeah, yeah, Larry Johnson yeah. Sr. And, and so yeah. I, 
It makes yeah. sense because to me, you look at him, he's 6'5", he's 250, going to be 260, 265. He is a prototypical hand of the dirt. Runs a yeah, runs four, runs a four sub, 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 sub four seven, yeah, you know. But, you, you, but you're not going to, but OU's not going to bulk him up. They don't want him to be like 280, 2, 285 or something like that. They want to keep him, and he's been working to keep his weight low to keep himself to be like a rush end. Like, you know, don't move me inside. I don't want to be a D-tackle. And if and Georgia just seems to have two types of guys, they seem to have their defensive ends are are six five two eighty right two two ninety pushing three hundred. Yeah, depending upon who it is, yeah. Um, or their stand up outside linebackers, right? They want a six foot four, two forty guy who who you know you know is comes off the edge, right? To you know stand up off the edge outside linebackers with their scheme, so. It's, I think it's a, it's an odd fit. He is, if you look at him, right. Again, I think he'll be 265 all day. Once he just gets in, you know, when he's 20 years old yeah, and he's yeah, been in the yeah. weight program. And to your point, when you look at what Georgia, what they do from a scheme perspective, and they do run a lot of their sub packages effectively, what you would, you know, a four down front, or it's a, it's a two, four, you know, whatever, you know, they just take, they kick the nose guard out, they kick the two defensive ends that are, you know, as you said, 290, yeah. uh, they're JJA is what they are. They're that type of guy. They're Edric Houston. They're those, those type of players are going to play it. There's Trevon, it's Trevon Walker, Jalen yeah, Carter, right? Six, five, two, eight, two, eighty, six, yeah. four, nine, two, ninety. Yeah. And that's where, you know, they, they slide those guys and they play them over guard or over tackle and they get after folks, but their outside linebackers are six, two, six, three, maybe six, four on the highest of ends. What I'm looking at right now, they haven't really had one that's six, four it's guys like Robert Beal Jr. or Nolan Smith or again these guys that are 6263. Yeah, even the guy, even the guy who got drafted super high off his ridiculous 40 Nolan time, Smith. he's not that tall, right? No, yeah, no. Yeah, Nolan Smith is what, 6'3, 245, right? 6'2, 238. All right, there you yeah, go. That's so, why I say it just to me, it doesn't make any sense. And you look at some of like the well, of, not when not when they've got JJA and they still have a shot at Edric Houston and They've got, you know, Ayaden, um, um, Ayandre Breland also looking at them. CJ Jackson, that guy from Georgia. Yeah. yeah he's, and they've, got, they've got a bunch of guys. I mean, they've got uh, JJ McCray. Is it JJ McCray? I think it's JJ, JJ McCray from Florida, who's 6'6, 270, looking at them, who can be that big defensive end yeah. they want. Whereas when Ari wants to be, he wants to be a pass rusher. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be, he wants to be 260, 265 at tops, right? And flying off the edge, being from you know, your classic Frank Alexander, OJ UC Mora. Young, right? He's going to be 65, jacked up, going to, you know, come off the edge. You know, I, I, I agree. I, every set the, set the run, yeah. come off the edge, every, every down, don't leave the field defensive end, which is what Brent wants. Mm -hmm. On our scheme too, right? He wants two. He wants four defensive linemen who never leave the who could never leave the field. And, really. and it is it is what you know he he began to stockpile at Clemson and what he had started you know going out in the draft in the first round. You know every other year out yeah. of Clemson were yeah. those types of defensive ends. So yeah, I put that on the board. I would just be surprised because every school does this. They're going to bring you in and set you down, go through their scheme. 
give a bit of a detailed plan of, Hey, here's how we see you developing. Here's how we see you fit. And I'm sure Georgia has a good sales pitch and can go through that. But Williams is an intelligent kid. I would just be surprised when they sat down, if he's looking at that and going like, Ugh, I got, you know, I'm not, you know, you're going to recruit Owen Simmons. You know, he's the type of guy that you're just going to go land late or something. Right. It's like, you know, it's not a great fit for that role. I don't want to be 280 playing that role. You know, I'm, I want to be 265 and a top five pick, you know, playing defensive yeah. end. I think, I think, you know, it, it would be, I think, you know, um, Jamar Mosey, his head coach has a good feel for the programs that Nawari would be a fit in. So I think George is kind of trying to fit in an unofficial where Mosey's not around perhaps to, because I think, you know, Jamar would just, you know, as a football coach, you know, high school coach, college player knows a lot about defense knows a lot about the game would be kind of like, and hey, this isn't a fit. This isn't a fit for my protege. What are you doing here? So we'll see how that all shakes out, but that's the, that's the only on the D line other than JJA um, Matt, that's the only piece of negative news out of this weekend is a potential unofficial visit by Williams Winery. That's it. All right. Well, we'll circle back to the positive news. We'll keep Caleb on for his opinions on our two latest commits. Uh, Dozy and Chris, you nailed it earlier. Azukanma, right? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And James Nesta, the dual sport athlete who professes that college football is his number one choice. He loves football. He really wants to play football. I don't know. Caleb, you said you were watching a little of the College World Series earlier and. It made you a little nervous. Uh, I thought I thought I thought we weren't going to dump all over the fact that James Nesta might never be a sooner. I thought we were going to not. I know, but we weren't going to go there. We weren't going to go there, Matt. You told me we I, weren't going to go there. I just feel there. like we have to address it. A six foot five guy that you know is hitting ninety five as a junior. Yeah, I mean it's why, why can't why can't he be uh, why can't he be a, a blitzing linebacker and lead the Sooners to the College World Series uh, on baseball? Don't 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 don't. Don't don't harsh don't because harsh that Yankees don't harsh that possibility. Draft him in the first round and give him like eight million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, all right, okay. Well, this isn't baseball draft chat. This isn't the baseball draft podcast. So, Caleb, let's take James for his word that he wants to play college football. And I do want to say that I I joked beforehand like oh he'll never you know if you're hitting 95 as a junior and you're six five it ain't happening as far as football uh, but I joke because I'm going to trust Brent and say you know he's he's absolutely uh, had that conversation with him you know and how they took they felt comfortable taking his commitment uh, so let's assume he's going to play and he's going to be a sooner. Right. So uh, the guy that actually, I heard Teddy say this on their pod and I do agree. He was one of the comps I had was maybe like a Danny Stutzman. Um, I felt like maybe Danny ran a little bit better sideline to sideline than what James shows in high school, James in high school, you watch his film. It's a lot moving forward, uh, attacking, uh, kind of built. I think as he continues to get bigger in size, that'll be perfectly built, uh, to be a really kind of in the box inside linebacker, you know? So if you're looking for like a high end cop, comp, I, I would say what Iowa had with, with, uh, with this kid that was drafted last year, you know, Jack Campbell, uh, very similar in that, you know, and just, 
going to be a big six, four, six, five, probably 235, 240 pound, uh, maybe a little heavier just because he's so long, uh, inside linebacker that is going to be, again, I think it fits perfectly for what Brent does, where it's very downhill and attacking. I think he'll be a plus bonus, uh, as a, as a blitzer. You, again, you watch his film. A lot of what he does is he is kind of kicked off on the edge. He's blitzing the quarterback. Uh, I think you get him at, you know, in in today's world, whether you're playing Mike or Sam and with all the spread formations, you get kicked out everywhere and you're playing in space, but he just gives you another big, long athlete that can run and can blitz. Um, you know, it's almost as if we just continue to see the evolution of defensive football, where I'm not saying it's becoming positionless, but in some ways it, it you know, you just got to have guys. It's not the day of, I need a 250 pound, six foot one middle linebacker that's going to take on a fullback, you know, 30 times a game. It's, you, you need guys like a uh, James Nesta that can, can play in space, can rush the passer, uh, and be, as well as, you know, continue to be that traditional inside linebacker. I think, I think one thing about Nessa that I like is to your point is I think a lot of it, his high school film has a lot of edge rushing. Cause I just think he's the best athlete on their defense and he's their best quarterback pass rusher. Right. I mean, so, you know, why, why would you not have him attacking the quarterback all the time? But I do think um, to your point, it does set up if for some reason linebacker doesn't work out like Will or Mike, that you could put 20, you could put 30 pounds on him at 6'4", 6'5", 240, and he could be very effective off the edge, you know, as a situational pass rusher, you know, as, you know, as a defense, you could be a, he could be a defensive end for OU at 6'4", 6'5", 240. If that's, if you decide, well, it's Will and, Will and Mike's not working out. He does have another projection, right? He could easily be a 6'5", 240 pound edge rusher for OU and be very, very effective and very successful, able to drop into coverage or, you know, attack off the edge. So I think there's some flexibility there in terms of his development. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I that, agree. wouldn't that be something, a defensive end and a pitcher? <laughs> I mean, Shohei Otani yeah. could probably do it. That guy's a monster, but, you know, a guy like Nesta. And I think Kerry would, I'm a Cubs fan, so I'll mention Kerry Wood. I think Kerry Wood at, would have, could have been a linebacker. He He was tough enough from, he he had enough frame and enough. Uh, I think yeah, he's big dude you know, for sure. Want 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 to be that he could have been a six foot five, two thirty outside linebacker for some. Or team. that Manoa guy, I think that's his name uh, for the for the Blue Jays yeah. who actually just got sent back down. I think, uh, but yeah, a pitcher playing defensive end or linebacker, it's going to be an interesting juggle match between the two coaching staffs. Which there's been a lot of back and forth on that on on Twitter. The last 24 hours has been kind of funny to watch. But um, on the other side of the ball, Dozy Azukama, he is uh, little bro- uh, the younger brother of Eric, who played under Emmett Jones at Texas Tech, is a fourth-round draft pick of the Miami Dolphins and, by all accounts, doing pretty well. Uh, Caleb, what are your thoughts on Dozy? Another guy that I really like. Uh, I, I put this on the board, kind of giving like a breakdown. You know, like first takeaways when you watch him is he's a long, 
lean, very smooth receiver. Uh, the more you watch him, the thing that sticks out to me the most, and I think it's it, it really speaks to why he is so smooth, is his his just his foot quickness. He's got extremely quick feet. I think that's probably. I've harped on this for like years uh, on this board and others that one of the things I think that gets overlooked with running backs in terms of like an, an elite trait that elite backs have is balance, right? Like balance after contact, be able to run through trash. I think that's the thing that gets overlooked like with bigger receivers is that foot quickness It's the ability to, you know, again, talked about this, like be able to get to full speed, gear down, and then get back up to full speed. Uh, and, and you've got to, you can't be a plotter. You've got to be able to turn those over really quick. And I think that he, he does that. Um, he's, you know, I, I mentioned this on, on the board. It's, I think his body type, uh, he's a kind of a high cut guy. I don't think he'll have any problem just like his brother adding a adding lean mass really easily uh his brother coming out of uh of high school was listed at six to 180 pounds dozy's listed at the same i think some have him 183 185 but he's right in that space i when his older brother left tech he was 209 you know i, I would bet what you're going to get with dozy is a, a 6 to 205 pound outside receiver the you know and he's just proficient in everything and then and then really smooth um so no i'm i'm a big fan of his i think he will i paired particularly with what they've got in daniels what they potentially might get in reagan's but opposite of um of Kearney, I think you've you're you're building out a really complete, solid wide receiver room. Yeah, he's kind of a. Uh, you, obviously, you can't replace a guy like Wesco, um, who we all thought you know was coming to OU, and then all of a sudden flips to Clemson, then enter the offer to Dozy, but kind of similar in that six two range, very smooth at the same time. Um, not as big as Kearney, as you said, but I, I like the tape too. I believe he played, what was the school he played at last year? He transferred to All Saints Episcopal uh, for this next season, right, Chris? Um, yeah, that's that sounds right. Uh, I'd be interested to see what that tape looks like. Um, All Saints, that's probably equates to a, a 4A level football in Texas. Um, so we'll have to see if if he really jumps on the tape that I think that's a good sign. Uh, but obviously his brother, Eric has the talent to be a fourth round draft pick, making some buzz in Miami. Uh, hopefully he gets some more playing time next year. He, I think he got what equates to a red shirt year last year, but the talent is in, is in the bloodline. So we'll be interested to see uh, how that plays out. I think he's a good fit for this offense, a good fit for this class. Um, Chris, what, what, were the other surprises about the weekend uh, out of some of these visitors? Well, the first surprise is it looks like OU is a great spot to fight for Terry Bussey's commitment down the road and or Terry Boosie, the 5'10, 5'11, 185 pound athlete from, um, I think it's Timpson, Texas. Uh, OU was sort of lurking around in his recruiting, and now they're, I think they're, they're right in the battle for him. And uh, Emmett Jones has been pitching the wide receiver role for him, whereas some other schools have been talking about cornerback. So that was a, that was a big change because, you know, he's, he's the number 15 player in the nation by one service. He's the number one athlete in the nation 
by that same service. So we're talking a five-star top 20 player that OU, the people, no one thought OU was going to sign. Now OU is, is definitely a threat for his signature. And then a player I got, I got wrong last week. I, I thought Justin Denson was coming in, the Rhode Island, the Slim Reaper, the Rhode Island safety, the Slim Reaper. Uh, I thought he was going to coming in and OU didn't have much of a shot. He was probably going to Florida because um, Florida's on like a heater in recruiting. They got like seven verbals over the weekend. So we didn't hear much from him from our sources. So we kind of thought, well, you know, maybe he's going to, he's probably going to go into Florida. And then, you know, some other websites, uh, most notably, um, uh, most notably TFP and uh, 247 uh, have started talking about him, uh, OU having much bigger, sorry, Sorry, the, the guys at Rivals, they keep, uh, with everybody changing websites, it's changing uh, partners. I keep forgetting where everybody is. They, they've been talking about him being more interested in OU. And then he's been on Twitter giving some very, like, massive hints that maybe he wants to be a Sooner and maybe he's going to be a Sooner. So he's deciding July 1st, and it looks like OU's building momentum for him. And he's a favorite of mine in the class. When you watch him playing center field safety, he's just tracking the ball cracking where it's going and getting and you know just that classic safety you know long long pass downfield he's tracking it and just steals the ball before the wide receiver has any idea he's there so and he's full so very physical and he's 6'2 185 pounds so he's he's got some lengths to him and then the final one is and it's kind of been going on some websites now we've been talking about we talked about Zena Umazulu or Zoo and we talked about him visiting OU, and uh, it's, it's a nice visit, but he's going to end up at Texas where his brother is. And that still may very much be the case. We may be looking at a Marcellus Williams situation here. Marcellus uh, committed to USC. That's where his brother, Max Williams, plays. He's from, you know, he's seen St. John's Bosco, USC pipeline. So that's not a big surprise. But there's some significant, you know, conversations flying around, mainly from uh, Josh McQuishan on Sooner Scoop was talking about on his podcast that, that OU might have a chance, a real, a real chance with Zeno Umazulu. So uh, we're trying to track that with our sources. We haven't gotten any kind of feedback on that yet, but it's he would be another edge player from that weekend, from the recruiting weekend that would be of interest to OU. So if if the if the weirdly impossible does happen, that that's going to make things very interesting in in edge recruiting for for the Sooners. So those were probably the three biggest surprises I think from the weekend. I'd didn't think OU had a chance with the, with uh, with those three players. Well, another surprise from the weekend that has gotten everybody in a little bit of a, a tiffy is the news at the running back spot. Chris, what's what's going on there? How many spots do you think we have, and who do you think is going to take them? Well, so combining running back and H back, or whatever you want to call it, or big back, or multi back, or whoever, whatever terminology you want to use. So at this point, only three running backs visited OU officially in June so far. And OU's not having any more official visitors, I think, this weekend. The coaches are all going to go take, on, take, the, take the weekend off or something close to that. So the first player who visited was Xavier Robinson, and he visited early last week. Then we had uh, Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham both visit over the weekend. We strongly believe that Xavier Robinson, who's announcing on June 27th, is going to choose Oklahoma. So that means OU would have to take three running backs if they want to, if they can get the get the verbal commitments from both 
Taylor Tatum to Caden Durham. In a scenario where OU's only taking two guys for this spot, then OU would have to somehow, if they could get commits from both, make a choice between Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham. Or it could be a circumstance where one guy, one guy commits before the before commits first. And, you know, we see that we see that, you know, probably, you know, with Dozy, um, Dozy probably took the took any chance, took the ship and the slot away probably from Ivan Carrion, who also visited over the weekend, the Texas Tech commit who's been looking heavily at OU. I, I don't see a I don't see a situation right now where OU takes both Ivan Carrion and Dozy. Could so carry on, that spot's kind of gone. Carrion be a tight end, do you think? No. Um, I mean, does I mean he's He's 200 pounds, Caleb, but he's, he's constantly lined wide. He's, he doesn't, yeah. I don't yeah. think I saw, I don't think I saw him blocked in a highlight. <laughs> hey, that's one thing I'll point out. You, you see Dozy, that from Dozy, Dozy, Dozy blocks him. in his film. Yeah, he's he a, blocks. Yeah, he's a physical yeah. kid. Um, you know, so, so Matt, it, you know, it's, it's nine, nine 930 Eastern time on Wednesday when we're recording this. Taylor Tatum is currently not committed to Oklahoma, but every recruiting site out there in the last like three hours has put in forecasts and crystal balls on Taylor Tatum to OU. So yeah, the, the shavings are at Riley by OU fans is a little funny. Um, we don't do reviews of guys who we think are going to be committed. So we'll, we'll, we hopefully will save this Tatum news for when he announces uh, when he's going to make a commitment, but that this something is up. There's too many websites across too many networks all hinting at something with Taylor Tatum. So the question comes down to, can I'm not sure our message board can actually handle this. If OU only has, can, can only right now assign one more spot for running back and Taylor Tatum takes that, you know, could OU just walk away from Caden Durham? And I, Hadn't thought that would be a real possibility, but I think we are. I, I think there's, I think if Taylor Tatum commits within the next two weeks, I don't see Caden Durham doing that. Uh, maybe this news will change, but I, I right now I, it's it's there's a possibility of, at a class projection where OU takes Taylor Tatum. And doesn't take any more running backs. Let me say this: I, I, I mentioned this before. I I would be an advocate for. <laughs> Tatum, I guess, you know, hey, I, again, when we did our running back breakdown, I thought he was probably the best in Texas. I didn't think he was going to have a chance at getting him. Is there a world where you take Caden Durham as an athlete slash receiver slash a bit of a running back in the, in the comp I would give and where I would go with that is, I think I said this to you guys, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, very similar in size, right? He's, Listed at five ten, but he 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 checked in at five foot eight at the NFL Combine uh, or at his at the pro at his pro day. I don't know if he got maybe did he didn't get invited to the Combine due to legal issues. Uh, you can look those up, but you know he's somewhere in the neighborhood between let's say he's five nine. Let's cut let's cut the mustard there. He's five nine, hundred eighty five pounds or two. Obviously one of the fastest humans around. Aiden Durham. Pretty similar, right? He's gonna he's five listed at five ten, five nine. Let's say he's five nine. He's at 180 pounds. Do you want to hand that guy? Oklahoma State tried to do that with Tyreek Hill, right? When he came out of JC, 
it went to Oklahoma State. They tried playing him at running back. And everybody can remember it. He had the big punt return against Oklahoma. But as a running back, he was yeah, let's, not. Let's not bring that up. Well, yeah. yeah let's not bring up right. the, the punt twice game. That was bad. The punt twice game. That's that's a but to your point, you know, so the question gets gets down, Caleb. If you get okay, so let's say Tatum pulls the trigger for OU as everyone appears to be predicting right now. Um, and we didn't we don't have any our sources didn't give us a Heads up on that. So we're not sure where that's coming from. And it looks like maybe OU baseball has played the bigger factor in this than, than folks had first realized. So maybe OU baseball has kind of won this recruiting battle to a certain extent. But let's say you get Tatum. Let's say you get Zion Reagans. So all of a sudden you're at four wide receivers. Do you, and let's say you're still recruiting Terry, Terry Boosie. Mm. So if you're, let's say Caden Durham's like, okay, I'm going to take, I haven't taken my official visit to LSU yet. I'm going to take it this fall. So maybe you can continue recruiting Caden Durham and maybe pitching a little bit of a more multi-role to him. And you're also, you're also chasing Terry Bussey. And if you can get either one of those guys, I mean, like, okay, great, done. Forget about it. So, yeah, I could see the, you know, the, the problem is, that you know, everyone's like, well, just make the numbers work. And I'm like, well, have you not have you not picked up? I just mentioned that OU, you know, is is now it now looks like they might get Dominic McKinley, right? And they could get Jaden Jackson from IMG, who's your your future nose guard. I mean, you know, or could they get Eddie Pierre Louis? We'll talk about O-line maybe here in just a sec, but you know, I mean, where you know, Davon Mitchell is probably gonna reclassify and be your tight end. So where, where does it stop? And we want, we want a second quarterback. Where, where does it stop in terms of, you know, everyone's like, well, you can't walk away from a talent like Caden Durham. I'm like, well, I, I can't walk away from K, you know, Casey Poe or Grant Bricks or Terry Bussey or Jason Ross or, yeah. JG or, or, Umuzu, you know, let's say Umazulu decides I'm just going to not follow my brother. I mean, you know, he's a, He's a he's a beast off the edge at defensive end. He's really good. I mean, so you know, I, I there's a finite there's a finite line that OU's going to hit at some point if they keep making momentum with guys unexpectedly, and it, and, it, and maybe that fine line hit, hits it hits running back because OU does have some depth at running back. Hayden Durham is really fast, but. Gavin Sawchuck is not some, you know, um, you know, plow horse and neither is Dalen Smothers. I mean, we're talking both those guys are probably sub four, four. We, we know Sawchuck is. So, you know, it's, I know you, if you got Zion Reagans and they've added Brennan Thompson, I added Andrew Anthony, Petaway is faster than I think any of us thought watching him. We thought he was really fast in high school, but I didn't think he was that fast. So it's not like OU's bereft of speed at this point. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a, I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I'm not making the decision uh, about this and with some of their numbers because if if they hit on the D line guys like we think they do and and you know Braden Platt they win the Braden Platt battle and Devon Jordan comes on board you're still recruiting Kobe Black and made more progress there than I think most people thought it's. You know what? What top one? What other top one hundred players at more need positions do you, do you want OU to to drop? 
It, I think it's a, it's difficult, but with running back, you know, you look at those guys ahead of them on on the roster already, and I know there's there's always room for attrition. Um, you know, maybe uh, Hicks doesn't get the carries that that he wants, and he doesn't see a path forward for him over the next two years, and he leaves. So, there, I mean, there's always that possibility, but the portal seems to be pretty saturated with running backs every year. So. I, I think you save that ship. I, I know Durham's elite. He's got elite speed, but we have a lot of speed, like you mentioned. And I, I don't know. I'm using it for a sixth or seventh defensive lineman. I'm using it for that fifth or sixth uh, offensive lineman. We are going to the SEC. Speed means a little bit less. You need guys in the trenches. I, I think we need a second quarterback. I think that's paramount. You know, I've, I've made that clear on this podcast a few times. It's hard to recruit in the portal a difference maker at quarterback with a guy like Jackson Arnold on campus. So uh, I'm OK with it. If you if you weren't taking Xavier Robinson, I don't think it would be a question. Right. And Xavier brings a different a different skill set to the table. Right. If there's a there's a definite projection where. Xavier Robinson is a muscled up 6'2", 245 battering ram for your um, for your offense, short yardage goal line, and also just, you know, six-minute drill, change of pace, where, you know, guys are just, you know, they've been, it's the last five minutes of the game, and all of a sudden OU rolls out a, a, a fresh 6'2", 242, you know, 245-pound, 250-pound, you know, running back out there and, you know, force some guys to make some business decisions. So, I mean, you know, it's, he's not some AJ Pirine in terms of his explosiveness, but with his power and, and his ability to break away, he's, he's pretty close. So, and, and, oh, oh, you doesn't have anybody close to that size at running back. I mean, you know, Barnes and Hicks might get to 215, 220, maybe Barnes, maybe, to get to like 225, maybe. But you know, that's it's 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 a complex problem. And I think OU making progress with a number of other kids who are very talented has made the 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 roster juggling numbers in the class problem uh have only only more serious. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add this. I think this this entire conversation and everything that's going on, I know there's some consternation among some fans on different boards about you know, how's this going to work out? You can't turn this player away, this, that, and the other. Uh, I think the reality of recruiting is taught, should have taught everybody something, particularly over the, over the time of Riley as head coach, where it was in the, at the spring game when they would bring everyone in, the reviews came out. That was fantastic. Every kid there is going to go to OU. We're going to have to turn half of them away. Not going to have enough scholarships. Right. And then by the, end of the, by the end of the year when they were signing him in December, none of that was true. I don't mean that that Oklahoma's in a bad place with any of these kids. I think they're, we went through this on the offensive line on the board today. Oklahoma's top two, right? On tons of these kids, top three on a ton more, but you're not going to sign every one of them. Something's going to happen here or there with this player, or that player, you're going to lose some because that's the odds of competing at a high level. You don't win them all, right? It's like baseball, you, know, you hit 300 in the hall of fame. So it's a really good thing in my mind that they're in a position with this many good players, right? That, uh, 
you can apply a little bit of pressure to whomever, maybe a defensive end and say like, yeah, we really want you, but you know, this guy and this guy and this guy, I think they might be wanting to be sooner. So make your decision. Yeah. And speaking of the offensive line, uh, Caleb, it looks like, it looks like OU is in the top three, top two for Casey Poe, Eddie Pierre-Louis, Grant Bricks, Marcus Easley, Bennett Warren, and maybe Weston Davis. Oh, you made a big move with Weston Davis. So if, if you know, obviously Isaiah Ortree has one spot, you know, if, and also Caden Massey's still out there. There's some, there's some kind of all over the information about Caden Massey and maybe he didn't like his OU visit as much as, as some people thought. So um, that's, that's been around on a couple of the, couple of the, couple of the other sites. So Caleb, if you, if I made you, if I made you guess right now, which by, I think most of these guys are going to fall in, in July, really. I mean, they're all making, looks like they're making July decisions. Who do you, who do you think OU ends up with? Ooh, who do I? Or would want OU to end up with? You got, let's just say four spots. I think Zendamella was the, was the, was the bridge to a six O line class. And without him, I think you got to, I think you need to stick with four. So four more five total. Yeah. Five total. Yeah. Full, full, full class, class, full five players, four, four guys added last year, plus really good walk-ons. And then the earlier class is now Sexton, Taylor and Everett. Mm-hmm. So you have some slightly better numbers because the, the walk-ons all looked huge when they checked in. in hey, our, our guy from, <laughs> was it Glenpool, right? The, uh, his name's, yeah. me. he looked fantastic. And I, again, I just love that his, and the, a, and the um and the eight man football kid looked great too. He's like he's huge. Six you know, eight. He's yeah. huge. He's six eight, and he's not got bad weight. It's like Bill got some. Bill got some potential steals there. That that wouldn't shock me if that's not a sixth player class by the time we look that's, at it. Once we add in the walk ons, it sounds that. <laughs> let me like pull back and I'll, I'll admit and I'll say this. What you said, I agree with, but I can also recognize that what you said from the outside, if you detach from that and look at it, you might say that sounds really homerish to say that Oklahoma took two, let's just say two walk on offensive linemen that look like they might be potential starters, contributors down the road. But I completely agree with you. And I think. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a wild statement, but they uh, but you know, Drew Henning, man, you saw these yeah. guys, they, they look they look Massive. huge. And, yeah. and they were next to massive guys. I mean, the two of those guys are next to uh, Logan Howland, who we know is six, seven, two seventy, And they look size. the same His size. And, I'm like, and okay. is there a position on the field besides quarterback that, that is more contingent on development than offensive line? I, I don't think so. Because. And, and offensive linemen show up all over the place. Eric Fisher, you know, all of these guys are just the the old pro list at offensive line was like it didn't have rivals five stars left and right. I like D yeah, line. There was that really big difference. There's a massive difference. But I'm gonna just just to just to quickly try and end this segment. All right. So Caleb, of the guys I listed, you got your your Bill Beaton bow. If you're trying to build your your my the class, build your O line, yeah, your I, class. You got Isaiah Autry, who we think is a right tackle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I so do, you need do. a legit. You need a left. You need a left tackle, and ideally, 
You'd like somebody, you'd like two interior guard, two guards. Yeah, so the first three are super easy for me. I, I think, you know, so, uh, so Casey Poe and uh, Pierre Louise, I think those are the top two guards in the country. Like you, you sign those and I mean, you've got guys that are going to come in right away and they're going to compete right away. Even the SEC, it, you know, they're going to, they're just going to compete right away to play. And if you told me both of them are, you know, uh, guys that go play in the NFL, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I know Poe's, you know, pretty, he, Alabama's after him really hard. Uh, Pierre Louise, it sounds like, it actually yeah. sounds like Oklahoma's got a really good shot there, but it's uh, maybe a little bit of, I think you mentioned this, right? Like he's already said publicly, he's going to make a decision soon. Oklahoma and UCF are the two visits he's taken. It looks like it's, Hey, do I want to stay close to home or do I, I want to go play big boy football? So uh, let's with, with at my dream school with my, one of my best the friends, architect, yeah. with, with my best friends, with the, I don't know who UCF's offensive line coach is, Yeah, I don't so, but I have a hard time imagining he's, he's in the bill Beatonbow class. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would have to look it up. Yeah, but so Poe, yeah. uh, Pierre Louise, and Grant Bricks, those those three, like immediately. I think Bricks is a guy I can play. Maybe doesn't play center, but he's going to play up and down the line anywhere else for you. I think he's got really high end ability at tackle. The, the last one for me is difficult. I, I lean towards uh, three guys Weston Davis, Marquis Easley, and Caden Massey. Uh, Massey, of all that, is like he's the biggest reach. He's got probably by far. Or I think the, you know, the, he's the biggest risk of those. He might have the most upside though, with just his size and how he moves, what he could develop into. Um, although you may argue and, and you may be right to do so that uh, Weston Davis maybe is the most upside of that group as well. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough for me between those three. Uh, maybe I'd settle on Marquis Easley. I just think he's, he's, I think he's got the lowest floor, right? Yeah. I mean, he just, he's, he's really, he's a really physical, he's really nasty. Uh, he's fantastic. When I watch this film, like moving forward, they do his high school runs, a lot of run game and you see him pulling a ton and he's great when he's out running. He's not as competent. He's not as good yet. And his, his, you know, his past sets. I just think that's, he's just a guy that needs to be coached up. You know, it's just, hey, he hasn't done it a lot because he's been a road grader. And, and Grant Bricks hasn't done it a ton either because he's just been coming off the ball and, and knocking people in the teeth. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I would say give me Bricks easily, uh, Pierre Luis, uh, and, and Poe. Yeah, and I think all of those, with all those guys, it's Bennett Warren's an interesting one because it's Michigan, OU. Michigan's adding offensive tackles apparently every week. Um, <laughs> so here's, let me ask you this question because you are in the state of Georgia. Every, every service uh, had, and I don't think it was, you know, a high likelihood. It wasn't, Hey, this is, you know, on the cusp of occurring, but everyone had Marquis Easley pegged for Georgia. He took an official visit there. He comes out of his official visits. I think it was to Tennessee last week. Uh, could be wrong. Maybe it's this week, but I think it was last week. He went to Tennessee and he's announced he's going to have a commitment date of the 8th of July. And he's got a top three of Alabama, Oklahoma, and Tennessee, no Georgia. What do you think of that? So the, the wild card in this is he, is he sort of announced that after the OU he visit. Did. So yeah, last week, 
So on the one thing I think is kind of a wild card in this is, is Bill Biedenbaugh has Midwest connections yes. and Easley's from Illinois. If you notice, he's not really looking at anywhere, no big 10 schools, nothing like that. No Ohio state, no Illinois, nothing like that. So I just wonder, I just wonder if, if he and Bill are just a little and Bill's connections and I think I just want, and I just remember when Easley first visited OU, there was like, you know, there were folks who were telling us that, hey, he might commit like tomorrow. And then, then there's some time there. So I kind of wonder if perhaps the, the stealth bomber, Bill Biedenbaugh, is, is in better shape with Easley than most folks realize. Because again, Haneke, Illinois is basically Chicago. Bill knows Chicago. He recruited there as, you know, he recruited, you know, as when he was in the Mac, um, uh, you know, some of Bill's, some of Bill's roots are around, are in that area, you know, kind of growing up. So, and early recruiting, some early recruiting and jobs in that part of the country. So I just wonder if, you know, I, I'm trying to piece together who Bill wants and it's impossible, um, you know, because Eddie Pierre Louise, like nowhere on the board, then all of a sudden he's visiting and now you know, he might be part of the class. It's like, okay. So Bill's, Bill's hard to project and track, but I, I wonder if easily is, I know you are not maybe a little more tighter than most folks realize. And when it comes to decision time, sometimes you defer back to some things that are more familiar and comfortable. And Bill, you know, Bill kind of knows that Bill knows those people knows that area much more than probably um, Tennessee Tennessee, you know, Tennessee staff does Alabama recruits all over the country. So it's kind of hard to tell yeah. with their, and their, yeah. and their brand, their brand power, but they're, my, they're my also f- big game. Georgia, Georgia and Bama are big game hunting. Some, some guys higher rated than easily. So Deandre Baker. So my, my first, my first, yeah, Brandon Baker, yeah. Brandon Baker. My first, my first thought there is I, I wonder, remember Anton Harrison, it was odd that, you know, Oklahoma didn't have yeah, Caleb Williams yeah, yeah. at that time, but he was really open. No, no, no. He grew up a, he grew up a Trent Williams fan and knew that Trent went to OU and saw, you know, these, you know, uh, Orlando Brown and, and Cree, it's saw these guys leave Oklahoma and go into the NFL. Yeah. And, and he said, okay, I want to play for him. So I want to be developed in the NFL. So to your point, when I look at Easley and you, he's got Michigan offer, he's got Michigan state, you know, he's got Penn state, he's got those big 10 schools, but he's not looking. My first thought is, is you know, maybe likely in Oklahoma, Alabama battle because of, you know, off, you know, NFL pedigree and uh, yeah, maybe Oklahoma wins that one. Little I mean, he, he, he's, he's very, he's very Orlando Brown, like on film, like, Nasty. you're like, look at the yeah. film. You're like, like, you're going to get flagged buddy, but I love it. So keep doing it. When he's pulling, I mean, he is a 18-wheeler freight train. I mean, you I used to just remember Orlando pulling. I know Orlando wasn't the most athletic guy, but you know, when Lincoln Riley ran that sort of uh that that zone, that zone play or that that's the when 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 the, the tackle the GT would pull. Counter, yeah. The G, yeah, GT counter, sorry, that's what it was called. Um, I mean, Orlando buried guys doing that, just buried them. And and you watch Beasley, I'm sorry, easily do it. And it's, it's, it's very similar. So, all right, well, I'm not sure we're going to be able to suss out bill on O-line. So we'll have to keep this going, but what I'd like to do in, in spirit of our drafts here, and we need to, we need to just, just make picks. Don't tell me why you're making your pick, just make the pick. So you can choose and we're going to do a four quick four player 
draft, four-round draft, you can pick any player who visited Oklahoma during the month of June, officially or unofficially, okay? Any player you want, but they can't be verbally committed to another school. So, all right. So, you know, just tell me the four guys you would draft onto the Sooner roster, and you, and you can't choose all offensive or defensive linemen. Um, making up another rule on the fly there. All right. what I was going to so, do. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, all right. So round one goes to uh, Matt. You start. What player are you picking with your first pick? And this should be easy. David Stone. All right. Caleb, who are you picking? Williams Nowary. All right. I will pick Taylor Tatum. All right. Round two, Matt. Hmm. I was kind of hoping Tatum would fall there. Let's see. Give me Dominic McKinley. Okay. Caleb. We're going to take McKinley. How is it? We're doing this four rounds. So. Yeah. Four rounds. You got four players to pick. Okay. Let's go with. Casey Poe. All right. And I will go Braden Platt. Killing me. Killing me. I don't know where right, I'm going to pick this. That was my only non-lineman. <laughs> yeah, that. All right, Matt. That kind of. Like, screw you, too. I'll, I'll go. Let's, let's get some, some speed on the outside. I'll go with Terry Bussey. Okay. Caleb. You, you still got one more lineman to go. You, your fourth round pick, you're going to have to get creative. Okay, so uh, this this is kind of a little creative. We don't know where Columbus stands. I'll take Jay Sean Ross. All right, I'm going to go with the, the, the best the best 100-meter sprinter in the country, Eddie Pierre-Louis. <laughs> that video still cracks me up every time. Uh, it's it's awesome. I would just I'd show that bef- to the team before a game to pump them up. Like, look, if this if watching Eddie destroy walls doesn't pump you up, then you know get 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 out of my locker room, man. All right, Matt. Final pick. I don't think I. Oh no, I took a receiver, so technically I could pick a lineman, huh? Um, yeah, you can. You can go anywhere you want. Can't all be linemen. Let's go with. Grant Bricks. All right, Caleb. You you can go offense D line here. It's now back now back available for you. They are. I, I can take an offensive line defensive lineman. Yeah, you, 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 we we're, we're letting you say Jay Sean Ross is an outside linebacker, stand up rusher. So yes, oh man, you you can go D line or O line. I'm actually going to take Samaz Jones. Okay, that's that's a good pick. All right, I'm going to end my draft. I have a, I have a running back, a linebacker, an offensive lineman. So I'm going to go with Nigel Smith. I just think Nigel is a key part of this class. Yeah, and I agree. A big, a big piece. He's work. You can see videos of him. He's working out. He's he's working out heavily this summer, trying to get himself in great shape. And I interviewed the kid. He's a great kid. And if we could get him away from Ohio State or Penn State. To your point, uh, Caleb, uh, Ohio State wants him because he's a 4-3. He's a real 4-3 defensive yeah. end. 
So I think that's the, that's who I would go with. So um, that's an interesting 16, 16 guys that we'd like to add to a, to the uh, eight player class, eight players right now. Right. It, is it this is eight? Yeah. With, with the additions of, uh, of Dozy and uh, Nesta, we had eight commitments. I think I dominated that draft. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, the fact that you got Stone and McKinley kind of makes me. McKinley was going to be my. Well, we did let you go first because you're like you know you're you're, you're you know you're the you're the Ed McMahon of this podcast, so you know the the uh, the um, you know you're 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 our sidekick here, so um, I can't go first. I'm the recruiting guy. I'm going to be able to make stuff up on the fly, but I do my best. So, but it, it certainly certainly all works. So. Uh, I think that's a good. I think that's a that's a good draft to end to end us for tonight. All right. Well, Chris is out for the rest of the week. He's uh, got a little wedding vacation, so you know there's going to be about sixteen verbals dropping in the next. All, all big, all big time five star nonsense. <laughs> positive, negative, positive, negative for OU will be occurring um, over the next three days. Yeah. So just it's it's, it's a it's a guarantee. And again, we recorded this Wednesday night. Um, we'll be out Thursday morning. Um, head over to the board soon as 360. Even though Chris will be out, he'll be chiming in every once in a while. I'm sure. Uh, I'll be. I'll be. I, I won't be. It's not like I'm going to Pango Pango and I have no internet. It's just <laughs> I, I'll be. I'll be available. But it's it's guaranteed something's going to fall up. Just like the worst time where I can't can't even post well, anything. When he can't, so. We'll do our best to, to fill you in on any news. Uh, again, no visitors that we're expecting over the next, uh, this coming weekend. Uh, so to, or, or, or until the end of the, or until the end, until of, the end June. of June, um, I think it, I think it's a, I think OU's just like done. They, they burned through everybody. Um, it's now time to get people scheduled and scheduled time to get announcements and, and see who we have. All right. Well, again, head over to Sooners360.com for the latest there. Uh, be looking out for some news on Twitter and Sooners 360 on the upcoming Reggie Pearson Jr. show. Uh, some news on our video coming out soon as well uh, in news and notes, etc. And again, as a last reminder, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, etc. We are on all of those and we will see everybody around the water cooler. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.